Welcome to the Dads Off Duty Podcast. I am Jason here once again as we cruise through January with our guest hosts. And today I have the honor of having Jordan McCoy. Did I say your name right, sir? You did. That is perfect. Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Hey, thanks. It's good to be here. I appreciate the invite. It's a good opportunity for me. So before we get into who you are, do you have a dad joke for us? I do. Awesome. (laughs) Historically, I'm not very funny, but uh, I came up with one and we'll see. Recently, I took up origami, but, you know, I just couldn't stick with it. It was way too much paperwork. (laughs) That's good, man. You got it down. You you thought of that yourself? No, I looked it up on Google, honestly. Okay. (laughs) Okay, well, that'll be the first because every other joke you've heard on this podcast was completely original. Oh, very good. (laughs) You'll get a sense of my sarcasm. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm more of like a situationally funny guy, I guess. I don't I don't really tell jokes that much. <laughs> my wife says that I'm a lot funnier the, the more I drink. So uh, yeah, I th- I think I'm funnier the more I drink. <laughs> so like I said, Jordan, I'm happy to have you here. I think before we go any farther, I'd love for you to share who you are, what you're all about, and um, kind of just tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, yeah, my name is Jordan. I'm 29 years old. I live in Seattle, Washington. And uh, was born in Houston, Texas, kind of lived around the United States since, since then and ended up here. Uh, Boeing hired me on from North Carolina, moved out and just living here with my wife and my newborn or three months old son now, Henry. And yeah, just kind of took up this YouTube thing recently. And this is it's cool connecting with other dads, the social community and just getting the word out there of positive fatherhood. Absolutely. We're all about that here as well. Mm-hmm. We'll plug it at the end too, but why don't you plug your YouTube channel right right off the top as well? So it's called Living the Dad Life. It's kind of basically just my take on fatherhood and a vlog style uh, every Monday, movies um, around here in Seattle. And when we found out we were pregnant, what made me want to start this was I didn't feel like the support system were, were, was where it needed to be for dads, knowledge-wise and just advice in general. So I, every experience that I encounter with my son, and I feel like if I feel like I had to kind of like look up information on how to get through it, I make a video on that so the next guy doesn't have to. That's pretty much the basis of it. And then recently, it's become more of like an outlet for me, like a diary of sorts. You know, I've always liked to make videos, and I've found that I, it's really easy to talk to a camera a lot easier than a person. So it, my ideas flow out and it makes, it's like healthy for my mental state. I couldn't agree with you more. That's also one of the reasons why I wanted to join this podcast. And since I have more of a face for audio than video, that's why I'm doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think one of the best things about doing this podcast for me is to just get what's in my head out into the world, even if nobody else listens to it, it's great to just get it off my chest and out there. And me listening to myself say it sometimes will help me make a decision on something that I was fighting with or unsure about. So definitely. Yeah, I feel that 100%. Great. I have checked out your YouTube and tell you that I think it's a great channel. And I've gotten a lot out of it because it's been a while for me since I've had a newborn or a three-month-old. So watching some of your videos really makes me think back and smile because that was such an amazing time in my life as well. I've got 
two kids. Uh, they're four and six now. So, and one of the reasons why I'm really glad you're on is because we really haven't on this podcast yet talked about the very early days of having a child. So hmm. I'm really interested to hear some of your stories about the you know first few months and even leading up to it prior to that because it's very fresh in your mind and it's yeah. a, a little more a little more foggy for me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've so I've listened to a couple of y'all's shows and and yeah, you're right. It's like going out in public with your kids and how to like lie to your kids and, and stuff like that. Like it's, I haven't gotten to that point yet. So I'm glad I can bring that to the table. And then I hope I can get some future advice from you uh, as you get older. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you going out to eat, for example, I mean, obviously we're in weird times, but going out to eat with a three month old is pretty nice because at least from my memory, yeah. my experience, they sleep the whole time in most cases. Basically. Yep. He falls asleep in the car and then it kind of, flows over into the restaurant for sure. So, well, when they get to two, it might be a different story. I'll just uh, tell you that right now. Yeah, I'm, we're looking forward to that for sure. Oh my, God. <laughs> my dog's throwing up behind me. Are you serious? Go ahead. You want to, you, you can take care of it. I'll, I'll wait. No, he, he's just gag. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so uh, like I mentioned, I just talked about the fact that we're in these weird times right now, and you had a very... I'm going to assume you had a very unique birth story for Henry because when we went and delivered two babies, it was much different times. And there was a whole list of stresses on that list there. But you got to tell me some of the things that you've experienced uh, about three months ago now and kind of what that was like. So there's a big story before birth, just like the prenatal process here as well. Um, yeah. Since COVID started, Seattle has been one of the hardest hit areas. It was ground zero for the longest time. And so the medical community acted accordingly and pretty much shut down everyone from joining any kind of appointment besides the mom. So Henry being my first child, uh, from nine weeks to I think 34 weeks, I wasn't able to join her for any appointments. I couldn't see the ultrasounds and we can maybe get into this a little later, but based on our history, it was really important for me to be with my wife, Jessica, in support. And there was a couple times where just security was about to be called. And it was just, it got really tense in the doctor's office because they wouldn't let me in. So fast forwarding to, to when I was finally able to join her, you're going to the every two week appointments and then it transfers to the every week. Uh, you're getting the non-stress tests testing the baby's heart rate and whatnot. The birth process, things started to relax a little bit in March and April. I know dads weren't allowed in the delivery room at all here, and I can only speak for here. So that just sounds traumatic and devastating in itself. Yeah. For the moms and everyone, I'm sure that's, that's got to be tough. For me, I was allowed to join her in the, through the labor process in the OR, we ended up having a C-section. And afterwards, I was able to stay. We were all able to stay together, but we were locked in our room. She couldn't walk the halls to try to like work the baby out, couldn't get food delivered, couldn't leave. For four days, we were like trapped in this room. Wow. We had a similar but different experience. We were in our room for actually a week, both kids. And a little different reason why my wife is a type one diabetic. So she was put on some medicine to basically regulate her blood sugar uh, while she was giving birth and then post. 
And she had high blood pressure afterwards that wouldn't come down. We were also stuck in our room for about a week because we had to wait for her blood pressure to come back down to a reasonable level before we could be released from the mm -hmm. hospital. And sitting there for a week, you know, you said you, you were there for three or four days too. That All you want to do is just go home at that point, especially right now. I mean, you probably want to get out of the hospital as fast as possible. Yeah, yeah it's not a comfortable place yeah. this, these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're very excited to leave for sure. We got home and most of our families back in North Carolina. So we were kind of like thrust into it, just us, which was kind of nice. You get to develop your own routines and figure out that you can do it on your own without family help and overbearing, uh, like, do you need this? And what can I do stuff? So that was nice. And we were still kind of in lockdown mode, I guess. So it was, we didn't really leave the house. We just kind of got to know Henry really good and spent some quality time together. It was nice. I would say that is one of the best times is when you bring your child home and fingers crossed, everybody's healthy, wife's healthy, baby's healthy, and you just get to get to settle into your new normal. Yeah. I remember when we brought both of our children home from the hospital, we also had a dog at the time and trying to acclimate the pet to the baby because you just never know how a pet's going to react to somebody new in the house. So getting a tip from some friends, we brought... I brought some of the baby's clothes after she wore them in the hospital home to my dog before we came home and just let her smell it and just kind of get acclimated with this is going to be new and you're going to be smelling these smells. So yeah, that's a, that's a really good idea. And we were completely planning on doing that, but we weren't able to, I wasn't able to come home, you know? Um, so we, the dog was at like a doggy daycare while we were uh, having the baby and we actually didn't pick him up until three days after we got home. So we got just us three without the dog, that extra responsibility, which was cool. And then we just took the swaddles that he was in, like you said, just a different way. I put it in the car when I picked him up and just kind of got him ready for it, I guess. But it was like from the time I picked him up till he met the baby, it was about 15 minutes. So he didn't have much to really prepare for. It was a little bit of a surprise for him, I think. I think we also wanted to talk about pregnancy from a dad's perspective, what pregnancy was like for, for us as dads. Yeah, definitely. So the first thing I heard you say earlier, and you mentioned it, that we're having a baby. Mm -hmm. And I, I bring it up because I have friends that really don't like that term. They're almost like, and, and it's the women that are almost offended by that term. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's like, we're not having a baby. I'm having a baby. Yeah. I've you know, the husband's just... I've heard that point of view for sure. My idea and the reason I say it is, yes, your wife or your partner is delivering, carrying the baby. So when you get down to brass tacks, they are having the baby. That is their, their right and their responsibility there. When I, why I say we're is because I've always considered us a team, one. And then two, I know babies are had without males or partners occasionally frequently even and it's done well but i think with the partner and that support it can be that much easier so i think with us anyways i considered it like a team and especially in our situation the support needed to be there so that, that's why i say we're and my wife agrees it's like we're we're doing it we made it together we're gonna get it out together and <laughs> just kind of do it as a team I couldn't agree more. And my wife, she has the same mentality. So she's carrying the baby, like you said. And one of my tasks 
being a team player was going out at nine o'clock at night and getting her milkshakes and <laughs> cheeseburgers when she called upon me to do that. That's awesome. Yep. And I remember my first grave run. <laughs> okay. So I'm not alone there. No, absolutely not. No, she needed a uh, grilled cheese and uh, sweet potato fries right now. I had to make it happen. And then the other thing too, I don't know if you had this because of the times, but we did these birthing classes. I, th- I think they were called birthing classes or child care classes. I don't know what they were. Lamaze. You, you basically went once a week. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it was like a Lamaze yeah. class. Did you guys do those? No, no, we weren't. We didn't have access to them. They were all closed up. So we took to old YouTube and kind of learned everything we could from that. And just asking, uh, you know, friends and parents advice on certain like techniques and like breathing, for example, or just mental preparedness. And yeah, but no, we didn't have that opportunity and we kind of missed out in that aspect, I think. I'm trying to like think back to what I remember from those classes and like some of the things that stick out is the fact that they really wanted everybody to have a birth plan. Mm -hmm. And even though they prefaced it by saying, your plan probably won't be the plan that actually happens, but Mm -hmm. still make a plan anyway. Uh, In terms of, and I guess when I say birth plan, like, do you want a C-section or are you planning to have a natural? Do you want to take the epidural? Not. Where do you want to have the baby, et cetera? Mm. The other thing I remember is, and I think this is my wife's favorite part, is at the end of every class was moms kind of sat down very comfortably, usually surrounded by blankets and pillows. And then we were usually giving them a massage of of some sort. So either their feet massage or or a shoulder massage. And I think it was just, okay, dads, it's your turn to help the mom. uh, (laughs) That's awesome. I like mom feel a little better. I like that. So yeah, I guess in in lieu of that, we just did, I painted her toenails a lot while we were home. Plenty of foot rubs, back massages. I I dyed her hair a lot. Once she get to the point where she couldn't lean over the tub anymore, I would get in there and freshen up the dye. Uh, So I, I, yeah, I'm kind of like a jack in all trades. Um, self-care right now it's pretty cool i was gonna say yeah you're like a makeover extraordinaire <laughs> i'll look for your show on tlc next year yeah yeah next week on the youtube channel is how to paint nails perfect there you go <laughs> on your youtube channel you did a video i really like about how to swaddle your kid i i really enjoyed that and it's been a while since i've swaddled the kid and you even taught me something i would encourage anybody who has a very young one or is about to have a young one to check out that video because they do teach you in the hospital, but honestly, the information these nurses are giving in the hospital, it was coming at me so fast. I had a million things yeah. running through my mind, and it's like, am I supposed to remember all of this? And I remember another thing, too, is right when the my daughter was born, and it was like, hey, dad, you ready to change the diaper? Because it was, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're a dad, you know that that first diaper change is probably the worst. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of why. But yeah. it's like, okay, dad, let's put the new diaper on. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> I thought you were going to teach me. <laughs> yeah, totally. So here we use the uh, Swedish hospitals and anyone in Seattle or the Northwest area, I recommend them 100%. Their nurses were just very attentive and wanted to make sure that you knew what you were doing before they left. You know, And like you said, they, they do come in in whirlwinds occasionally, usually at like 2, 3 a.m. and try to about all this information to you but yeah i had one of them teach me how to do the method that i used in the in the video and before that i felt like i had an idea of how to do it but it was like maybe five seconds and the kid broke out of it you know it's one of those like he's always pumped his legs real hard and 
that's like a recipe for disaster if you don't have a tight swaddle. For the diaper, me personally, I love being prepared for everything. I obsess and over research and I I don't like, I like to succeed in what I do, right? So I, I knew what I was doing with the diaper. I took a stuffed animal in the house and practiced multiple times. And that first diaper change was just, it was fun for me. I just took them out of the nurse's hands and, and just did work. It was good. That's great, man. That's, that's a, you're a go-getter, sir. <laughs> I try to be. I try, it, sometimes it's a curse, but. If we want to touch on this, like just maybe the hours, minutes leading up to the birth, I say that, but then you guys had a C-section, so your experience was a lot different than mine. Mm. My wife was uh, natural both times. So I guess I'll just say on that front, what you see in the movies of you know everything, just you know the doctor there and the husband just standing there watching, saying, good job, honey, and we hold your hand. And that is not what happened, at least in my... I was an active participant in my wife giving birth. Yeah. And what I mean by that is I was holding on to body parts that I was like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. When's my check coming? But yeah, yeah. Why am I doing your job? <laughs> no, they, they completely <sighs> prepared us for that too. They were like asking how involved I wanted to be if I wanted to be up by her or holding the leg, you know. But yeah, so we, we did have a C-section and but the hours and minutes up to that are a dramatic and emotion-filled story. Please. So my wife was in labor for 29 hours. What? So we got induced three days before the due date because the baby had a couple things where the doctor didn't want them to go past. There was just no need for him to go past the due date. And also due to my impatience, I talked her into having the induction because I wanted my son. I was ready to meet him. So since then, I, I don't recommend anyone do an induction. It was crazy. Uh, just wait it out. So yeah, she was in labor for 29 hours and just finally we were asleep one night and a bunch of nurses ran in. Baby wasn't really tolerating it anymore. And his he kept having late D cells, which is decelerations in the heart rate with that. So less oxygen to the brain and it could be detrimental if you let it hang out for too long. So we had talked briefly, Jessica and I, about the idea of a C-section before we even went to the hospital and then that night. So we were kind of prepared if we needed to do it and comfortable with it. You know, we, we didn't want to question the doctors and nurses too much because they're professionals, obviously. So it got to that point and they come in and they're like, you know, we want to take you into the OR now before it gets emergent. So we just kind of like kind of taken aback and it was in the middle of the night. We just woke up. So we we're still trying to yeah process what's happening. So there's probably like seven or eight nurses, doctors that walked in uh, very swiftly. They, they prepped her, prepped me. And I was, I was very glad that I was able to accompany her into the operating room. And so the baby was having a D cell when we got into the room. So they all introduced themselves around the table. They say what their job is and, and stuff before they start. But then from there, it was, it was go time. And you could tell they got into a serious mode and, the vibe in the room changed pretty quickly. And it was a scary, scary moment for us. We had every intention of doing it natural, as many people do. And it, it's important to just kind of adapt to the situation. And at the same time, control the, the mood in the room. And this is from the dad's you know, responsibility, in my opinion. It's your wife's going to be looking to you a lot of the time. And if you can stay calm, if you can not freak out no matter what happens and kind of just reassure her that it's going to be okay. Everyone will get through it. And then after that, 
take the time to to break down if you need and that's exactly what i did yeah that's totally totally acceptable in my book and i was going to say when you when you talked about 29 hours in labor i was like okay at a certain point the new goal becomes let's just get the baby out and it needs to be healthy and we got to scrap whatever plan we had originally so yeah definitely sounds like that's what happened and yeah, I think we were we were kind of getting to that point too, and she was exhausted, and it wasn't going to be too much longer that we waited until we requested it. If I if I had to guess, they just got to it first. Well, I don't know about you, but there's a certain time in the podcast when I just have to take a break. We've talked about a lot of good stuff, but I'm a, I'm a little thirsty, and I think it's cocktail o'clock. I think so too. So please hit the music, somebody. Would you like to go first? I always have my guests go first. So sure, I'll please. go first. I, I would like you to tell tell us what you're drinking tonight. I picked up a nice a nice Stella Artois. Ah, it's one of my favorite beers. I'm a little more on the um, on the high class beer side, I guess. I like <laughs> I drink my Miller Lite and my uh, my Budweiser, but I I enjoy a nice Stella and then a double shot of uh, JMO before that. But I didn't get that this time. Hey, see now we're talking. <laughs> Stella Artois. Okay. I mean, with a fancy name like Stella Artois, you're a classy individual. I try to be. I try to be. My interior does not match my exterior, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Would you rate it, like if you had to give it a rating from one to five, for example? One to five? Um, We can go with a four. I like a four. Yep. It's a good Belgian beer. It's above, it's in the same class as like Heineken and whatnot but it does have a tendency to get skunky if you don't catch it on the right temperature and time so you know be prepared for that it's that's why i say it's just like heineken heineken has the same problem yeah i give it a four okay fantastic thanks for sharing so uh, you are a classy individual so today i wanted to bring a classy drink to the podcast and for those who've been listening i've been going through the classic cocktails here in january and this week, I have a Manhattan. Ooh. Are you familiar with the Manhattan, Jordan? I'm not. I'm more of an old-fashioned guy when it comes to the cocktails. But um, okay, tell me about the Manhattan. I will. Great lead-in. So the Manhattan started back in the early 1880s. So it's, you know, it's one of the originals. Now, depending on what you believe, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Ian Marshall was at a party in a Manhattan club in New York City. And he was hosting a party for... Lady Randolph Churchill, who you may know as Winston Churchill's mother, if you are a history buff. Mm. So she was looking for a good whiskey drink, and Dr. Ian Marshall came up with it. So some people say that whole story is a myth. And there was a man by the name of just Black that invented at the Hoffman House in New York. Either way, it's I think was we can all say it was originated in New York City, which I think is why it's called the Manhattan. The earliest record of the Manhattan was in 1891 when the book The Flowing Bowl had the recipe come out and made it known to the masses. At the time, the recipe for a Manhattan was two dashes of gum syrup, which is basically a simple syrup, uh, two dashes of bitters, a dash of absinthe, two-thirds of a portion of whiskey, third portion of vermouth. It sounds delicious. Exactly. The one I made today and the more classic variation is a little bit different than that. But I think when we talk about 
whiskey in a Manhattan, unlike an old fashioned, which you prefer, mm. you you should know that it contains what type of whiskey, Jordan? Uh, I put bourbon in mine, Maker's Mark. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yes, bourbon. The whiskey of choice for a Manhattan is a rye whiskey. So for those of you who don't know, there's different types of whiskeys. Just being real quick about it, you know, whiskey is typically made of a blend of corn, rye, and wheat. And if it's overpoweringly corn-based, that's a bourbon. If it's overly rye-based, that's a rye. So that's the one I have today. I used a... Did you put the absinthe in there? You know, my... No, I did not put absinthe in it. (laughs) And the reason is because I don't think absinthe is in a Manhattan recipe that I can find today. I just, I need to do a drink with absinthe very soon. So, and I need to deep dive into absinthe because I don't know a ton about it. It's yeah. It's an experience. Yeah. I have a crown Royal. I think it's called like a master's blend or something. It'll be on the Instagram. Mm. It's their rye. It's, it's one of their best rye. And I'm not a rye guy. See what I did there. I'm not a rye guy. How I made this drink was I, First, chilled a glass in a freezer. That's what they say. That's what all the big people do. So that's what I did. I, I put my glass in a freezer, made it super cold. And in a mixing glass with ice, I put in two ounces of rye whiskey. I did almost a half of an ounce of dry vermouth and a half an ounce of sweet vermouth. So you can make a dry Manhattan, you make a sweet Manhattan. I wanted to cut it right down the middle. And that's what they call a perfect Manhattan because it's a little bit of both. And then you can put two to three dashes of bitters. I did Angostura bitters. And then here's the important part. You stir the drink. You do not shake the drink. Because shaking this drink will create a foam, and you don't want that. So you stir that in the mixing Mm -hmm. glass, and then you strain it into a cocktail glass. I put a maraschino cherry in, and then you enjoy. So this is what I have today. Cheers, sir. Thank you. Cheers to you. There are very few drinks that I actually like shaking. I, I, I'm more of a always kind of stir guy. Even cocktails, I just, I'm not big on the, uh, the shakers. Yeah, the thing with shaking is that shaking it violently like that is going to break down the ice and it's going to be a more watered down drink. Which, if that's what you prefer, mm. that's fine. And, and you can shake it, this drink, by all means, but I just wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, stirring the drink keeps, I think, the, the most absolute amount of flavor in the drink. I'm not a huge rye guy. This is a pretty spicy drink, and I'm I'm feeling it down my my throat right now. It's uh, I need to drink this slow. <laughs> but it's a pretty well balanced drink. I like the dry and the sweet vermouth mixed. It's not overpowering one way or another. I'm gonna give this a three and a half out of five. It's a pretty good drink. It's a whiskey drink, which I love whiskey. Being a Jameson guy, you should appreciate that. But um, I definitely do. Yeah, that's why we get along. That's right. <laughs> So uh, let's switch gears here. And when it comes to pregnancy, it's, it's just all about support. It's do whatever you can to make her day easier because you can't imagine what they're going through. I can't imagine. It's an important time for you to step up and, and show your partner what, what you're made of, honestly, because this is, especially if it's your first baby, it's something that you're both going through the, for, for the first time. It's scary. You don't know what to expect a lot of the time. And I, all I can say is just do what you can to, to be productive in the relationship and, and help out. 
Yeah. And I think honestly, whatever you do, especially for that first pregnancy, however you help out is really going to set the stage for your marriage going forward. Because I feel like up until the point of when you are pregnant with your first, that's the biggest thing to happen to you too. It's going to challenge you. And especially when you have your first kid and you are parents now, it's going to challenge you in a way that you both have never been challenged before. So I, I agree with you. How you step up at the beginning and show her that you are willing to be a team is really, I think, going to set the stage for how the first few months and then years of being a parent. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Great point. I didn't think about it like that. It really does. It's it's the first hurdle that you guys are going to go through together in most cases, or major, major hurdle. And yeah, it, it, it'll definitely make or break, I think, depending on how you react to it. There's obviously there's a lot of books about being a parent, and but but really there isn't a book. I mean, because every kid is different, every situation is different. You guys are challenged in different ways than my wife and I were challenged, and you know all my friends and and even our parents. You know that's that's true. Everybody, yeah, everybody is different, and that's all we can do is is communicate like we are and talk to other dads and share ideas. Because I mean, sometimes you hear an idea and so subconsciously it'll affect what you're going through and it's all about communication we just the, having the community of dads talking is very very good and I, I think that segues pretty nicely into our next topic that we want to hit on in, in terms of men's mental health in, in terms of being a dad certainly having a kid is going to change the way you feel about a lot of things and how you act in some cases it changes your personality activities and things you used to do before you had a kid, you find that you no longer are interested in it or want to do it. And, you know, let's be honest, friendships can end. How you interact with your family members could change based on maybe some decisions you make. And Definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of outside pressure when you have a kid from family, friends, society. It's hard and it takes like some resolve to make your own decisions with a kid, I think, like, and, not, and not be bent by other people's opinions like religion for example if we want to dive into that a little bit sure if you grow up in a family with a certain religion and you don't necessarily want your kid to grow up that way that's a very very touchy thing from experience uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah it's touchy but um so it's but it's important for you to do what you think is best for your family because it's it's your family and i'll say and I'm not throwing my parents under the bus because they were really great and they still are really great grandparents. But sometimes in the back of your mind, you got to think like how you're interacting with your child in front of your parents. Sometimes it's 30 years removed from how they acted when they were parents to a newborn. So you have to take that into perspective because how our parents raised us 30, 40 years ago is not the way in some cases that it's you know, it's right to do it now. Yeah. And just to like throw out a couple of quick examples that I'm thinking about, you know, in terms of how the baby sleeps, you know, what you put in the crib with the baby. Some of those things have been debunked, how you feed the baby. We've learned some things over the last 30 years. And yeah, maybe it worked for our parents and maybe it would work for us, you know, as new parents, but mm -hmm. there might be better ways. Research has been done, so... I don't feel like when those early days when we go see my parents and bring our newborn over that they were silently judging us for decisions they thought were maybe poor, but 
that probably happens to other people. Yeah. And you really have to shrug that off if I'm being completely blunt. You you mentioned earlier how you parent your kid is that's that's the way that works for you, then who cares what other people think? Exactly. Yeah, we're we're huge on that. We we do not care what any, anyone thinks. <laughs> as long as we're happy, the kid's safe, he's and it's aligns with our our morals and and guidelines that we've kind of like talked about for parenting. It's it's all groovy for us. Now, will you listen to other people's perspectives, or do you not even want to hear it? Like, just just keep your opinions to yourself. No, I I listen to to opinions, and I welcome opinions a hundred percent because, like I said before, like an idea or something can plant a seed in your mind and blossom another idea that works for you or something like that. So communication is always good. Talking is and sharing ideas, no matter if you agree with them or not. And politics is the same, but it's, it's good. <laughs> it's good to hear all the sides, all ideas. And so you can make your own decisions because there's going to be something that we haven't thought of and somebody else has done. And you'd be like, oh yeah, maybe that's, that is a good idea, you know? And so I'm completely open to opinions. I'm, I'm not like, don't talk to me most times. Yeah. Okay. So on the subject of mental health, I, I just wrote this down because I, I feel like you might be in the same boat as me, judging by some of the videos I watch, but are you the only provider right now in the house? Is your is your wife staying at home with the kid? Or? Yes. Yeah. At the moment, my okay. wife actually, she's she was lucky enough to be off since August of last year. So she she took August, September, then we had the kid in October. And whether it's uh, maternity leave or like COVID leave, it's all just kind of worked out that she's been able to stay home for a long time with him, which has helped a lot. And even in me, I was able to take two months off paternity leave. So I only recently went back to work. But right now, yeah, I am, I am working and it's, uh, it's hard being away from them. But that's kind of, that's how I love. That's like my outward love language is providing, you know, like, so I know, I know Jessica and Henry are, they have what they need. They're home, they're safe. All the bills are paid. So I'm cool working a lot over time, as long as I know they're cool. That's just, that's, that's how I roll, I guess. I completely agree. And, and you hit on the point that I just wanted to make it is you talked about the bills are paid. And I think from a you know mental health perspective, that's always something that's going in the back of my mind because my wife has been off of work um, since we've had our first. So for going on six years now. And so I've been the sole provider in our house and not that I ever feel like my job's in jeopardy. That's not what I mean, but it's just in the back of your mind, you're like, not only am I providing for myself right now, I'm providing for my wife and my mm -hmm. kids. So God forbid anything happens to that stable part of my life, which is my job. That's always in the back of my mind. In addition, I'm the one that's also paying the bills. So I am not by any means a financial expert or I don't have an MBA, but just making sure everything's in line and the money coming in and the money going out and thinking ahead to eventually maybe the kids want to go to college or you want to go on vacations and do this or that. And it's like, how are we going to balance all that? And I think the money talk is something that in terms of divorce, it's the number one reason, right? It's, it's usually money problems. Yeah. So yeah, it's like money's number one. Religion is close second. But yeah, there's, they're all, all very touchy subjects. Exactly. So then you add kids on top of that equation and it just gets, gets a little bit more unstable at times, just depending on what's going on. Then we have the whole craziness of, of 2020 and, and the pandemic. And it's just like another thing I'm piling on top. So yep. challenge accepted.
<laughs> That's right. Yeah. Take it as it comes. You actually are going into work, right? Because I'm lucky enough, I actually am working from home because I have a desk job. I am not that important, but you have to go in, right? <laughs> I'm sure what you do is, is crucial. Um, <laughs> yes, I have to go in. I, I work for Boeing. I'm an inspector on the 737 MAX program. So I, they require my eyes on the plane. And I, I, don't, I didn't have the luxury of working from home. I don't think I wanted it, honestly. I kind of, not, not saying it's, it's a bad thing or anything, but I, I need to get out and you know, like be in the workplace. And that's just, that's just me. You have a three-month-old, so you can be honest with me. Nobody else is listening. You, you take naps in your car. You've got to. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, it's it's a little sleep sleep deprivation is is for real, and it's it's apparent right now. Got the kid, got working overtime, and trying to make these videos every week. Making it all all happen is something's got to give, and it's usually the sleep. But I've kind of always been able to function on like four or five hours, so it's healthy for me, I guess. And now I think the other thing in terms of mental health and kind of things I think about as a dad and, and kind of what keeps me up at night and, and worries me a little bit, and, and you're not there yet, I don't think, is not being there for the important parts of your kid's life. And I guess what I mean by that is kind of piggybacking off the other thing where I'm the only one at work and my wife is there with my kids all the time. She's getting to see a lot more of them than I am. And in terms of now our kids are in school and seeing them go off to first days of school and going on field trips with them and I just have this fear of missing really important things in my life. Cause I know growing up as a kid, there's things that are still ingrained in my mind now as a 38 year old, like, Oh man, I remember when I did this and my parents were there and maybe just my mom was there cause my dad was at work. And I just fear that my kids are going to grow up and think like, Oh, my mom was there for this and this and this. And Oh, where was my dad? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's definitely a valid, valid point. I think the only thing I don't want to miss on right now is bath time and bedtime. And I work second shifts. I go in at two thirty, and I'm there till eleven. So the kids asleep when I get home, and so I do. I am missing out on getting ready for bed and making that routine, reading books and everything. But I, my wife's got it down, down pat, and I have complete faith in her. She's doing it with the most love, and all I can do is make up for that during the time that I am home, and make those good memories for the kid when he grows up. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do, and if you're work schedule gets in the way of the occasional important time. You just, you got to find a way to make up for it, I guess. My father worked a lot too. And I, from my memories, it was like weekends and, and nighttime activities mostly that we would do together. And so I guess, yeah, all the, maybe all the milestones like walking, crawling, I'm not sure. I I've, actually, I haven't even asked. <laughs> I guess my, my mom probably went through that herself. So that's a, that's an interesting thought. I will just say that as your kid continues to grow, bedtime continues to be more and more of just one of the best things about being a dad. Mm -hmm. Like now I'm so lucky because I'm at a point in my life now where I'm home every night and I'm reading books to my kids every night and I'm snuggling with them at night. And they, thankfully they still love that. Yeah. They still want to snuggle with me. <laughs> I don't know how many more years I got of that after that, but hopefully a lot. Yeah. That's just the best time because honestly that is, and you'll, you'll find this out is, that's the time of the night where we get just one-on-one -on -one time because what happens is my wife will put one kid to bed and I'll put the other kid to bed. We'll, we'll kind of go and, and put them to bed at the same time. And then mm -hmm. the next night we'll switch. So one night I'll get with my one daughter and then 
And that's really the time of the day where we just have like these very meaningful conversations, it seems like, because it's just like, okay, I have dad's full attention. You know, he's not on his phone. He's not on his computer. He's not talking to somebody else. It's just me and him. And that's just when the questions come out. And it's just like, man, wow, these are some really smart kids. And they just want to know everything about life. And man, if I do one small part to help them kind of figure out how to navigate life, that's... So the bedtime is just so amazing and, and and you'll get those too. I can't stress it enough. And, and you mentioned routine. Routine is so key. Our kids mm-hmm. are such good sleepers. And I've got friends that their kids still sleep on the couch until 11 o'clock at night because they're watching TV and maybe sometimes they'll take them to their room and sometimes they'll just sleep all night in the sofa. That, that does not work for us. Uh-oh. And so... At a very early age, we started a routine. It was like some days bath, and then it was, you know, pajamas, brush your teeth, read book, lights off, sing a song. It's just that's that's key, man. Can't stress that enough. So, my word of wisdom. I hope you get many, many more years of snuggling and and singing bedtime songs with your kids. Thank you. Is there anything else on the men's health topic that you want to touch on? Yeah, I think two things that people should know. If your partner's breastfeeding and you feel, you find yourself feeling kind of helpless in the relationship, not really too involved in the baby, baby's life during the day, that could be, be very difficult. I've talked to a couple of guys that are going through that. And I just want to say anything you do productive in the house, whether it be chores or, or doing errands or taking care of your wife while she's doing that is being helpful to the kid in, in connection with if your wife's taken care of and she doesn't have to worry about those things, she can focus on that because they're doing that every hour and a half to two hours and sometimes more frequent than that. And when you have that responsibility, nothing else really gets done. If you're superwoman, which, which my wife is superwoman, but so things always get done, but there's always something that can be done. And if you do that, you'll be helping out for sure. And then one thing that's definitely not popular, and it's um, hard to talk about, but there are some cases of feeling a detachment from your baby after they're born, whether that be stemmed from like past experiences and mental trauma, or maybe the, the birth or the pregnancy was hard on your wife, that could cause you to it's not like a not loving feeling. Of course, you you love your you love your kid. It's your kid, but it's like I still don't know how to describe it. And I filmed this the other night. I didn't know how to talk about it. It's that like taboo. I think it's like you just just don't feel connected for a month and a half. And in in my case, that's that's what happened because we we had we had lost a, a kid last year, and I was scared of of getting attached again. You know, and getting getting your heart broken like that. And so I think that's what caused it to happen to me. And that's why I wanted to talk about it was because it did happen to me. And I would hate for somebody to go through that and not know that it is okay to talk to someone about it. And it's, you're not an evil person for thinking that. I think that's, that's what I want to get out there. I think that's very important. And you are definitely not the only person going through that. So it's really helpful to hear that from somebody else. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. I'm not sure how to uh, transition out of that, but I'll try. (laughs) 
<laughs> Do your best, man. What I also wanted to talk about before we go here is, and I noticed the theme in a couple of your videos, and I really I wanted to talk to you about it real quick, was that you have a couple of great videos where you're cooking with your dad. Oh, yeah. And I think that's really awesome. And I kind of wanted to pick your brain about, about that and ask on you know how that started. Did you and your dad cook a lot when you were growing up or you guys have a connection through food or is that just some fun video you guys wanted to do? Yeah. My dad actually has, he started a YouTube channel not too long after I did. And he's, he's, he loves cooking. He's always loved cooking. I was going to say he was very much into being recorded. It seemed like, so that does not surprise me. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a very outgoing guy. So he's naturally like normal in front of the camera. But I, so I, the cooking videos stemmed from, from him wanting some content and doing like a collaboration with me and it became like a bonding experience for us. Um, so we're able to bond over, over just cooking meals now, which is nice. We're getting to know each other again. We've had like a, a rocky past and it's, it's nice to, to be comfortable around, around my father again and just cook with and enjoy his presence. It's really, it's really nice. And I think that shows in the videos. Uh, We have a lot of fun doing it. It definitely does show. I think having the opportunity to hang out with him and really experience him as an adult now, because it it was only recently that I started looking at him as, as a person other than my father. He has a life. He's always had a life and I was, I was brought into it and he's always just been that figure for me. And I think a lot of people don't think of that as well. It's like they have their own feelings. They have, have their own life. So it's, it's cool getting to know him as an adult now. And building that relationship is a weight kind of lifted off my shoulders. And I'm able to take experiences from him and kind of utilize that with my son. And on the topic of food, you are a sushi connoisseur. I've gathered from your videos. <laughs> yes, yeah, sir, I am. And I have a little gripe to pick with you. And tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. And I'm not a, I live in Michigan. So like the sushi we get is not Seattle sushi. So, but one of the things I do know about using chopstick is you do not point them at the camera. You do not point them period. (laughs) Yeah. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. 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 Uh, (laughs) I, yeah, I think it is. (laughs) I think it is. You're not supposed to lift them above your, like your shoulder. I, I'm not sure on the whole traditional uh, method of using them. That was purely a freestyle content moment. <laughs> no, I was just trying to be the equivalent of a troll on your YouTube comments by, by just asking that question. So just, just messing with you, man. Well, thanks. I mean, honestly, I, I, I haven't gotten too many trolls, so you, I got to get used to <laughs> reacting to it. <laughs> One last parting message I want to leave to you because you asked at the beginning, you said, you know, any tips that I can give you being that I've got kids that are a little older and I've been through having the newborn and the infant. Henry's at three months old. Three months old, yeah. So there, so he's still probably sleeping quite a bit, like during the day. I mean, obviously your nights are probably all screwed up. Yeah, we've just entered teething and a growth spurt. I would say, and I, I don't want you to, you know, get scared when I say this, but this is one of the easiest times because when they start crawling, then it's game on because then you actually have to pay attention to where they're at. Right now, you can drop them in the middle of a family room and walk away and make a get a beer and make a popcorn or something, and you're and come back, the kid's there, fine. Mm-hmm. But when they start crawling, then it's game on. And then when they start pulling up on stuff, then it's like, okay, baby-proof 101. You're, you being a go-getter, you probably already baby-proofed your place. But um, <laughs> Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
that's the thing I worried about when they started pulling up and kind of walking and toddle. And then eventually when they toddle around, then it's like, oh, every sharp corner, you're looking at it and you've got to plug up, plug up all the sockets. And my wife and I, we moved the coffee table and just took it out of the room completely. We said, forget this. This is just a broken eye waiting to happen. It's a good choice. <laughs> Speaking of broken eye, my, yeah, my, my sister had that happen to her when she was a, a toddler. She fell on a glass round coffee table and s- sliced it right open. So we will not have that in our house for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That's good advice. Thank you. You're a great dad, man. I can tell already. You've got this down. You're going to be great. I want to thank you for joining us this week. Before you plug your YouTube one more time, I just want to plug my stuff first because I'm the host. That's how I roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Follow us at Dads Off Duty Pod on Instagram, Dads Off Duty on Facebook, to Dads Off Duty at gmail.com if you'd like to email us. And Jordan, I'd like for you to plug your socials as well. All right. Uh, YouTube is living the dad life. It's real easy. Instagram, not so easy. You got to add underscore afterwards. Some guy got it before me. Someone else is living that dad life before you? Somebody else is living the dad life. Yep. <laughs> I appreciate the time with you today, sir. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And if you are a dad, please stay off duty. <laughs> <laughs>